0: Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 29th of July 2018. Before I get into this week's talk, which is a continuation of last week's in fact, I'd just like to mention you can buy the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and you can find out all the other sites I have too, they're all listed at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com And you can go into EU as well. And you can get them there if you want them. And remember too that these books help me to do all the websites. And they help me too to pay for them as well. Because it's a lot of money to just keep it all going. And I don't sell anything else except for the discs I have, the talks. I don't sell different products. I don't sell all kinds of Cures and amazing things to help you live forever Are gold and silver And all the usual things I just sell what I produce basically So if you buy the books and this You help me take along too And you can donate as well remember too For those who enjoy the talks And there's lots and lots out there It's quite amazing too That I've known for years and years That whenever I get into a particular topic And I mention it on the Sunday You're guaranteed that the top topic Certain hosts will be parting it out by Tuesday or Wednesday, the same week they never mention it, though, where they get it from I feel like I'm an unpaid worker, basically But that's, that's just the price you pay, in a sense, isn't it? Because we're going through a war It's a massive war It's had many different descriptions War, war of the mind, war for the mind, war on the mind And it's awfully true Because everything really is warfare today. Everything. And that's a topic I mentioned last week about eugenics. And the title was Genetics Must Lead to the Eugenics Czar, who will decide your fate if just below par. And par, of course, apart from being a sports term for certain sports and so on, and also like a level, you're either above or below the level, it also is used in eugenics and genetics for predictive... Adaptive response It's amazing, truly This is part two as I say But it's truly amazing That that we can live through an agenda With so much documentation Now more than ever with the internet On the system in which we happen to exist And how it's run If you really want to know Most of the studies that are shown By those who are monitoring us all the time with the big universities involved, MIT and your Facebook and all the different professional associations dissecting our thoughts? Are, are we following the correct memes and ideas which they put out? Are we all prattling about transgenderism and things like that, like we're supposed to be right now? Because it's across the board, things don't happen by themselves. They don't. They happen because all media, the top media, which has always been a control mechanism, For guiding us all There's no guessing involved here The big boys have published their own stuff Back in the 30s onwards About controlling all thought By giving us our opinions And of course that means Restricting other kinds of thought Or speech or whatever And it's just the same today When I was small I think I've mentioned this before The town I lived in had miners in it And the miners A lot of them were retired for the ones that lived very long, that is, because they all had different kind of bronchial lung diseases, which, of course, the authorities at that time always said didn't really exist. It wasn't proven, and of course they did prove it after the dog died off and they closed the mines down. So that's standard stuff. They'll they'll never prove anything or accept anything if they have to pay out on it, because we live in such a fair society. Is we're constantly told. But these miners. They'd play around during the day with themselves each other They'd chat away there, they'd sit in little groups And you'd, you'd meet them in town Crossroads basically, corners and things like that Favourite spots And they would chat And what was amazing, if you're a youngster listening to that them chatting These guys who left school about 10 or 11 years of age Were way, I used to term smarter We're smarter than we are today Because they understood The importance of the system Which governed and ruled them And the techniques that it used They knew the different owners of newspapers Their names, what their agendas were, etc Via their papers Today, people seem to think Like Brzezinski said they would Because they're trained to do so from the 70s and so on, Brzezinski said that people will eventually be unable to think for themselves. All they'll be able to do is to repeat the news that they get the previous night or previous day. And that truly is here today. There's hardly a question asked about who owns the papers. There's hardly a question asked, like like what um, organizations, the editors and owners belong to. And even the top shareholders, what what are their views and opinions? What clubs do they belong to? The miners used to know these things because it's awfully important to say new, to understand. They knew because they they were perfectly aware that all your opinions and information they were allowed to have was given to you via the media of the day. I've read over the the years on the air, in fact, of countless, countless articles on this information age and the the constant surveys that they've done to show that the more data they give us, the more confused we become. 99% of the data is rubbish. It always has been rubbish. It won't change or affect anything. Most data is trivia, and it literally is bubblegum for, for a few seconds of your mind or your time of the day, and nothing will come out of it for you, except you're wasting your life and being distracted and titillated generally, because most of it today is entertainment or it's about stars and stuff like that, Really. And we live in an age where everyone's taught that you're a star. If you put all your data up on Facebook and you can become a star, just like the reality shows and so on. And of course, monkey see, monkey do, and everyone emulates what they think they should be doing, just like the reality shows, mainly for the young, of course. It's rather amazing to see how simple and easy it is to control so many people. It's rather frightening in a sense, isn't it? But don't forget they've had lots of experience in managing populations down through the ages, long before even Machiavelli wrote The Prince. The knowledge of governing people and managing people is always accumulated for centuries and centuries. It's never discarded and tossed out. Nothing can become obsolete when it comes to successful techniques of controlling the minds of people and their time as well. Because you control their time Then if they're chattering about Irrelevant things They're not going to Be fomenting revolution Or nasty comments about you And that's how the Rulers pretty well see it We live in an incredible age though today And TV was bad enough It was just too easy to have people Give up a good chunk of their life Watching television A good chunk And uh, So much advertising, of course, in between as well Voluntary watching, something like 40 minutes of advertising a night When you you add it all up That's quite something, isn't it? Just to get a little bit of a laugh here and there Over it happened to be Over a few hours That was also mentioned in a pretty good movie As far as exposing that in it Called The Looker, an old movie It's quite interesting too Of uh, what they understood even then You get little bits of what uh, is common knowledge In the advertising industry And the behavioural studies Stuck into movies But we are truly entertained to death And with entertainment comes an awful lot of indoctrination Do you really think... We're so obsessed right now, and we should be so obsessed right now, across the board, in every country, at the same time, with this transgender's equality and all the rest, and all this mixing, blah, blah, blah. Is that the most important thing that's going on? Is it? Why is it across the board? It's because it's a fantastic distraction from giving you any hard news that's going to affect everybody everybody, in so many ways, economics, etc., or war, or whatever it happens to be. And at the same time, too, it helps to create a generation, a growing generation, because they're going, really going for the children now to indoctrinate them into utter confusion at a very early age, which ties in perfectly well towards the non-breeding program. That's why it's getting pushed. As far back as the 50's, you can get documentation from eugenic society, talking about ways of reducing the population, and they said they would push all kinds of, of substitutes and homosexuality, etc, any program where people didn't breed, and right down to you know possibly down in the future, doing this kind of tampering with uh, the appearance of genders, etc. And that's why it's getting so drastically pushed Across the whole planet, remember It's not just in one country or another Do you really think that's the most important thing? And you realise too That all the different pushes Down through the last century or so For rights for people Were basic rights that affected everyone Like money, wages, cost of living Housing, healthcare, that kind of stuff at least reasonable health care and so on and so on and so. On. That, these were hard, hard slogs and struggles And they're not over yet They're not over yet And the cost of living, as you know, has gone through the roof With inflation Because the currencies are worth nothing since 2007 or eight, When they crashed economies And plundered us all via the banking system Again But you don't hear about it, do you? Everything is drowned out, apparently, because everyone is just fascinated with all the, all the different gender, and this and gender, that. It's astonishing. But when you see an agenda going across the whole planet at the same time, believe you me, these are massive, international, old institutions that are pushing all of it. All of it. And I'll, I'll go into part two of this, perhaps, if I can get round about to it. It's amazing how... You can go off on a thousand different pathways in a talk, all to do with the same thing, really. Because it is so well documented. And at the same time as I've said we've got so much information at our fingertips. Most folk don't want to know. Most folk want to live in the happy, comfy cotton wool thing. You know, let's just be happy today. Happy, happy. Don't give me bad news. I I might spoil my day. It's kind of like the Romans, you know They always say that Rome was being attacked By the different bands that were attacking them from outside And eventually they did break through the walls Out walls and so on And the people inside in the big palaces, etc The nobility were having parties They couldn't believe it, they were having parties They couldn't believe that they were actually getting conquered It was unthinkable to them And that's what we have today, isn't it? In so many ways, if you want to look around you So many things that really are happening But all you get is distraction, distraction, distraction Very emotive topics, mind you, at the same time And emotion is a great way to stop you from thinking critically We also have different articles coming out too To make you think Because again, there are big agendas at play Before they even had all the wars across the Middle East They had Various articles in military circles To do with the fallout from all the blowback, as they call it If they ever were ever to go and attack all those countries over there I rewatched the old movie called Three Days of the Condor And in the plot they actually have the Middle East and oil wars Run as a game, what would happen If they ever had to do this, supposedly Right down to having to do it Possibly one day, because the public would immediately be all for wars if they run out of gasoline, for instance. And they'd be so angry they would overthrow governments if the whole system came to a stop. So they're always doing the, 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 the games, but they, they also have professionals. I mean, you talk about hundreds and hundreds of professionals involved in each little game for different departments of psychological and physical warfare. All different forces, armed forces. And social workers and social systems, what would you do with the fallout, the blowback, and bring in migrants and and refugees, etc., etc. It's all done, it's all worked out in advance. So they had these, these talks in the 50s, and 60s, and 70s, and 80s. Nothing happens spontaneously, nothing at all. And the the oddest thing, from the controller's point of view, for, well, actually, from from our point of view, when we look at the controllers, is to see how different their tactics are. We see it from the bottom how it will affect you, how it will affect your community, your area, or your country, your cost of living, for the wars. And for the differences with with How are you going to even cope with the migrants With the incredible cost of that, for instance Because to take it off your tax money They have to increase taxes dramatically Or basically cut back elsewhere On programs that you or your parents or grandparents Fought hard to get in the first place But the ones at the top never see it the same way at all In fact, it's irrelevant what you're thinking Because they have, they have different agendas for, for, for to get to their points and to their goals, etc. Remember, the goal is always a world government in military academies, the top military academies in the west, every officer is told that the only way to peace is for the cessation of war, and the cessation of war can only come through peace when everyone is peaceful, therefore, they have to fight wars to get to the stage where everyone's at peace, and it can only come again through a world governmental system. And personally, how I see it is that that's the elite talking down to the officer class, because the elite are still above that with all their high CIA types and neuroscientists and and behaviorists, way above it all, looking at this globe, this ball, this, this call it what you want I know there's a lot of flat earthers out there as well But the fact is, look at the place, the third drop from the sun right? And that's how they see it They don't see it as this little country and that little country At least as far as where they, they want to take it to It's theirs, it's their planet, they're going to control it And they're getting it all to go to a particular direction And achieve a lot of goals in the same time Right down to depopulation And if you get more and more folk who are not going to breed And this is very real It's very, very real And at the same time, even right down to All the different substitutes for 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 man and woman, male and female That they're going the whole hog You see, as long as they don't have children People have no idea of The amount of of their tax money that was thrown At getting the contraception pill Through in the first place Getting it made, etc. And the big eugenic societies that are part of the governing system. Because in, in Britain and in London, for instance, and don't forget it's a British Empire, the governing system is way above any political party or parliamentary systems. Way above that. Always has been. And last week I touched on on Julian Huxley, for instance, who was one of the founding members of a few agencies, and one of them's very, very secret. Because he believed, along with H.G. Wells and many other people, who all belonged to the same organizations, by the way, they believed that a ruling intellectual professional elite should be managing society. And that would never happen by voting politicians in. They knew too that then it would would be seen as a totalitarian system if you got rid of the politicians and simply ruled in a a fashion kind of like the Soviet system or even China. So the people would rebel against that because in the West they were more individualistic, they were not a collective type society. Therefore they they gave you the pretense, the one you still see, of politics. Well above all that you have professionals ruling everything Do you really believe? Do you really honestly believe? And again, I always use the British system as more obvious in a sense. They call it musical chairs with the politicians. A party gets into office. They delegate different politicians to be the head of different departments, either finances, the military, the National Health Service, or something like that. And once in a while, when there's a scandal or whatever, or things just don't go too well, rotate them around. So you're in charge of, say, the, the, the economics of the system one day, and have been for a few weeks, and then suddenly you're, you're now in charge of, of health care. Of course it cannot be done. You see, the permanent, the permanent civil service they happen to be the ones who who are really running the country. They hand the cards and and the scorecards and the dummy cards to read for the politicians and so on. They they work it all out in advance and write the speeches because they're the only ones who know what's going on. And they themselves take their orders from a much higher organization. And so Julian Huxley advocated early on, very early on in his career that the professional organizations were kept secret, and they would know each other across the world, and they would shape and guide society, generation by generation, by very secretive clubs or institutions. We know, for instance, that the big foundations is a part of it, and the foundations, the tax-free foundations, under the guise of philanthropy, have been funding what always appeared to be left-wing, even communistic organizations for most of the 20th century into this century. And Norman Dodd talked about that with the Rees Commission, which was set up in the U.S., and when the Senate wanted to investigate why these big foundations were running all these NGOs, funding them all incredibly with all the money, they, they, they're disp- I mean, multi-billions today, actually, have at their disposal. With impunity. I mean, meddling in every government's affairs by starting this and starting that and getting protests going, organization, etc. All the things that the communists were blamed for. And they can get away with it. Well, why do you think they can get away with it? Because, you see, they're part of a system. Not the complete part, but they're a part of a system which is an, an international governing body, a real governing body. They decide what will be taught through universities, etc. They decide what NGOs, and these are armies of NGOs, they can lobby and lobby and lobby, etc. Locally, they the lobby locally and, and, and federally, and uh, etc. and even internationally for what they want. You can't compete with that that kind of lobbying power To get your point of view across Because the NGOs are simply that They don't dream up uh, the name of their NGO Or even to have one Uh, The the big foundations have massive, almost civil servants actually Uh, some, Some of them bigger than some countries across the world And they decide what they're going to create And they find the people, they train them The top ones, they have full pensions and everything, these top NGO leaders, great salaries like CEOs. I mean, some of them even have their big high rise buildings for their offices. But the rest of the public don't know because they don't get that mentioned much at all, if, if at all, in the news. All they get is what politicians are saying and stuff like that. That's what they get. It's quite an easy technique to use upon the public to make sure that they're not being involved in what's really, really going on. They, it makes it much easier to govern the world, doesn't it? Never mind nations. Everyone right now is arguing about the latest reality show. That, that's their topics. They're arguing about who's had sex with who and the stars, etc. What do you mean stars? They're just actors and actresses, you know. But that's what you're given And again, all the transgender stuff That's all you're getting now, you know Plus, of course, there's articles out now Where people who really belong to these different groups That they've joined them, thinking it's for them They've purposely been created for them to join Then they're told to promote the next part of the agenda When you've read their articles and their agendas From their own foundations, etc., And their groups they have strategies and they're given implementation periods Some of them are five year plans, some are ten year plans For the next part and the next part and the next part So it's quite amazing to, to watch it really unfold the way that you've already read it And they're pretty well on target And it's true, when it ticks over to the next particular year They're immediately going in for the next part They've won this, they've won that, and have won this So here's the next part they want to win and I remember, too, talking about 2000 and to 2001 when they had the meetings for censorship committees and human decency committees and all that kind of stuff. In other words, ones that were safeguarding the public, supposedly, on entertainment, they met. And like everything else, the, their job was to find out if they can push the envelope to the next step. And back then, they, they were talking about they had more gay sex, etc., on television. That was coming. And now the next step was for pushing intergenerational... Sex And even bestiality, in fact So if you think it's all over It's not, it's not And don't think that the people you're seeing prayed in the streets, most of them With big banners and that, all for it Don't think that they're the guys that plan it They're not And it is amazing to watch it all happen And as I've mentioned before If you can't protect your children I don't care what guys it goes under The greatest guys, like Lawyers What we call law is is a strange kind of law It's kind of foreign, I think, to to a lot of people Because it seems to have nothing to do with right and wrong Really, it's all to do with wording and letters And let's explore the meaning of this word and blah 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 blah. And it's the same ones actually who are working for the foundations Where they'll take a law and they'll reinterpret it To try to basically neutralize the meaning of the law If it's meant to protect anything that that they've targeted, etc That's how it's really done So rather than protect children You simply give children The right to consent To have sex with adults See how it's done You see how it's done That little mind bend And most folk can't quite get around Oh well, you know Maybe that would change You know <laughs> Uh, the, the opinion of it all of you, if you yeah, are, well, well So it, it confuses most folk, and it's, they just go along with it So it's very clever, isn't it? It's very clever Rather than just enforce the law and protect the children Children have the, have the right, really the right, to live in a little happy happy world Of whatever fantasy they, they're watching, or superheroes, or whatever they're into They have the right to do that for a few years in their life before they're, they're tossed into a world of uncertainty, lies, deception, and when they have to run and run and run to make enough money and compete with everybody else. In a rather brutal system. At, at least leave them with their childhood We don't have to start worrying about what adult or anybody wants to have sex with them. Hmm? I personally think it's rather strange when the same, often these same groups are going after, for instance, Catholic priests with accusations And at the same time they're promoting At the same time, the children have the right to have sex with adults Isn't that rather, don't you think that's rather weird, huh? Now it's interesting too to see how the different arguments happen to be worded Because, again, word is awfully important, isn't it? How it's worded as they push for consent with children by teaching them how to give or deny consent. Articles are out there too, being taught in universities to students at universities of what they for the next generation of people who will push the agendas or even teach the agendas, and they say that parents are outdated and obsolete, basically as are opinions, etc. What's well, true? Is that when you hand cell phones and give the internet to young children They're definitely going to be heavily involved very quickly And promoted too Because it is promoted and on, all across the internet to be, to be fascinated by sex Until you end up with a hyper-sexualized society Long before they even hit puberty There have been so many articles Now I remember doing articles years ago On studies that had been done on this At the time and so all they do is hypersexualize children, which again ensures that they'll try everything. They won't want children themselves. At the same time, they, they generally won't stick with one partner for very long. That's the intention of it too. You need, if you're going to have children, unless you're going to have big money from the state, which of course the state has tried before, then you need another partner to help support the child and bring them up. Especially in today's economies. And the economies aren't going to get any better for most people who actually do real physical or real practical or essential work. And so, if they don't get a permanent partner, they'll either abort children or they won't want children, whether it's a matter of women wanting children, they won't have them. And they won't bond with a partner to enable it to happen. It all works together. And this was all discussed by eugenic societies on how to train Populations, as far back as the nineteen twenties and thirties, and also we're in we're well into the agenda of basically aborting anything which the the, the claim could be a, a, a defective fetus of some kind, physically or, or or any other way too, and it's done without question by the populace when they're told that. Now, as I said before, we're we're killing off. Other people, older folk, because they're not productive anymore. It's not cost-effective. You know, it's cost-effective if they've got years them to still work and pay into the system, buy things, consume and produce. But as the UN said, a good citizen of the globe, a global citizen, is a good producer and consumer. So you offer them a euthanasia pill instead. And now we have younger people. Being offered it When all they need really Is some occasional home care But that's got to cost money as well It's much cheaper given the pill Isn't it And bang that's it And society will accept it Because they always give you The most terrible things on television People with terrible illnesses And they'll complain And some will be yeah, Advocating it and so on And it's put across In such an emotive way Folk will Oh well I guess It's the best thing to do So when it's your turn or somebody else's turn, you know, well, I guess that's the way we get. We're constantly trained into how to respond to every situation today. We're trained way in advance, you know, way in advance of anything. And people really have no idea, no idea of the vastness of the organizations and layers of them above you that run your life. You really don't have a clue. And you're not really meant to have a clue. You're meant to think it's just the politicians. You really are, isn't it? Isn't that astonishing? We vote people. Do you really think that folk get voted in who to run, a, you think they're running a country and they never run a thing in their life? Look at Obama, for instance. He was a good example. He's picked up for his social activism, supposedly. Not that there was much of that either. But he hadn't even run a McDonald's. Hamburger joint He hadn't Do you really think he ran the country Do you think that, do you really believe that Or Theresa May For that matter, over in Britain hmm? See the art of politics Is to play games, that's all it is And to evade, it's like it's like Running a course and trying to not get Knocked over by things coming your way And trying to dodge them and get, get around them And knock other ones over It's all personal stuff really isn't it but That's not running. What, what did they know of, of running massive organizations that, that run over us? Nothing. And that's what Julian Huxley talked about creating these organizations, these private organizations which would be very secretive and rulers. However today we're getting trained to go along with all the other associations that, uh, that got fancy or very official-sounding names. Really private organizations. Eventually, they start getting your government funding as well when the people start to accept it as being part of the government. Quite, it's it's an old technique and it works awfully well. But you know, if you if you look at this article here, education starts in kindergarten. United Nations radical agenda pushes sex etc. in kindergarten. They published a new comprehensive so-called comprehensive sexist guidelines for schools taking its cues from Planned Parenthood to help teachers instruct kindergartens in LGBTQIA and ideology and practice, it says. Remember, Planned Parenthood is a eugenics program, remember, to get rid of the weeds, as its founder, Margaret Sanger, said. Read it up in your own books, by the way. I'm not making it up. And the United Nations Educational, Scientific and cultural Organization, UNESCO, remember, Julian Huxley again, revised and renamed its 2009 Comprehensive Sexuality Education, CSE document, pushing contraceptive-based sex ed in what the new American calls a full-blown assault on parental rights and traditional morality that could devastate a generation of young people. And people don't really see it as a war against a particular targeted group, but it is. to achieve a much, much bigger objective and depopulation of course too down the road as we start dying off by not having children, etc. And the best way to do it is to hypersexualize everyone. as I say they won't have a partner. they'll think nothing of abortion, if they get pregnant for the girls. And it's promoted anyway, isn't it? And the state takes care of it. And the state, most countries, pays for it. It all works along the right path because no one will actually want to have and raise children except the elite themselves. It says here, despite objections of various member states, the international technical guidance on sexuality education takes UN abortion promotion a step further indoctrinating children in pro abortion, pro homosexuality, pro-transgenderism and pro fornication propaganda starting at age five. And the critics said that these standards sexualize kindergarten children and advocate masturbation, abortion, gender confusion, homosexuality, homosexual parenting, contraception and premarital sex. And that's again is what they said many many years ago, everything they could promote that would they don't care what it is as long as they don't have children if possible. and it actually works of course, very very well. Very emotive for most folk they get because they generally have sides they jump on sides, but if you stand apart from it, all, all of it and see the bigger picture, who is pushing it. Not the ones they mentioned here, but the ones we, above all. UNESCO, sure, but UNESCO has got its agenda for the United Nations. And you don't forget who also set up the Department of Population in the United Nations. And again, that was, again, the Rockefeller Foundation who set that up. And they don't call it Department of Population Control anymore. They dropped the control, bit, but it's the same organization. And it works with UNESCO, etc., etc., etc. Everything is all connected. It truly is. But the folk don't know, and no wonder they don't know, no one tells them, eh? And we accept so much. You're born into a particular time, and you accept it without thinking much about it. And what shocks people from generation to generation is how easily those it was targeted at the time. How they accept the, the, the norms that were promoted in school how different it is from the parents' point of view. Anything can be taught to be normal if it's done in the proper way. That's why they have psychologists and behaviorists working on the curriculums of school. We must remember that anybody who was anybody in the early 20th century belonged to the eugenic society. Based in London H.G. Wells belonged to it uh, yeah, Julian Huxley, as I say Was a member too, naturally And many other people And the Darwins, all the, the Darwin lineage, and the Galtons too They're all inter-married, by the way, the Darwins The Galtons and the Huxleys With the Wedgwoods <laughs> Because all the Darwins, for a couple Of generations being More of them, actually, only interbred with The Wedgwood family in fact, I think when Charles, was it Charles Darwin's wife died, she was a, a Wedgwood. He then married his aunt, who was a Wedgwood. And that's how, what they did for, they were trying to do is a proper, a, a, a literally what they call proper breeding for intelligence and genius. That hasn't gone out of fashion, by the way, because now it's done through genetic engineering And manipulation of various genes and epigenetics, etc. That's all part of modern eugenics. And there's an article here about the Galton collection on eugenics, and it's called Racism, Eugenics, and the Domestication of Humans. Because if you think it was all about animals, when they're experimenting on animals and so on, and still to do it too with animals too, but rats or mice, to, let, let's compare them to humans. Can we train them we do this stream? That's all we do. Can they, can they, if you understand how you can train all kinds of animals, what they have in common, then the idea is ultimately you can train and control all humans too, the same way. And this article here is by Subhadra Das. And it says, the Grant Museum's current exhibition called The Museum of Ordinary Animals The Boring Beast That Changed the World Explores the mundane creatures in our everyday lives Here on the blog, we will be delving into Some of the stories featured in the exhibition With the UCL researchers who helped put it together December 1863, the scientist Francis Galton presented a paper to the Ethnological Society entitled The Domestication of Animals Ethnological Society remember for for ethnic groups, for people The Domestication of Animals In it he outlined six characteristics necessary for an animal to be domesticated. Now this is awfully awfully important because it's human traits that then can be exploited just like Everyone's got their programs on the internet, everyone's into their favorite particular social media, etc. And their Facebooks, etc., etc., etc. So the first one was hardness. The ability to survive despite human neglect. So hardness is one. So in other words, cheap cheap to keep alive, basically. Or even cost negligible. Two, fondness for man, notwithstanding occasional hard usage and frequent neglects. Okay? Now, fondness for man, we're all social creatures, you see. We act as big groups. It's easy to manage us for that reason. Appeal to the group. And as I said here, notwithstanding occasional hard usage and frequent neglects. So they can use you for all kinds of nasty, hard, uh, soul-destroying and physically destroying projects in the past, hmm? big wars and all that. And then frequent neglect, where the authorities that, that they're ruling you and supposed to be your kind of father figures—that's how it used to always be. It's still, <laughs> in some countries, it's still played up. Yeah, it can can neglect you once they've used you, hmm? and you're still like them all. Desire of comfort, number three. A motive which strongly attached certain animals to human habitation. There you go. Desire of comfort. Four, usefulness to man. Awfully important. Uh, Words are awfully important. Man, okay. Usefulness to man. Number five, breeding freely. So when when they need you to breed, not for numbers, like they always did for big wars or expansion of enterprise and Colonialism breeding freely. Number six, numbers you don't have to stand and watch them or, or make something. Number six, easy to tend, by which large numbers of them can be controlled by a few herdsmen. Very important one. Easy to tend, by which large numbers of them can be controlled by a few herdsmen. These are the gatekeepers, of course, to give you what your memes are, what your 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 temporary or, or at the moment, obsession is going to be that you're going to be angry about or you're pro or against or whatever it happens to be, you see? Big agendas. And also gregariousness is such a quality where you can all meet together and you judge how you are by bouncing ideas off your peer group, basically. It's worth noting that this paper was presented not to an audience of scientists who study animal behaviour, but to ethnologists, that is, scientists who study the difference between different groups of people. That is, scientists who study the difference between different groups of people. And that Galton's main objective in outlining these traits was to demonstrate that domestication happened because certain species of animals were, by their inherent nature, domesticable. There don't be humans here. And it says we're particular Species does not have the traits to be brought under human control, he said. Less civilized human societies, such as the reindeer herders of Lapland, are forced to live their lives to accommodate the animals in order to benefit from them. Galton gives examples from all over the world of how what he called the rude races had successfully brought animals under the control as pets sacred animals, and in zoos. In other words, it's easy to domesticate animals. Even savages can do it. And it says, we all know that museum catalogues uh, lie. And it says that it's very clear that it's a firm advocate, the writer here, for the agency of museum practitioners. No element of museum practice happens magically by itself in a vacuum. It's enacted by those of us privileged to work with collections. As is says the week's guest blogger is called Ananda Rutherford and explores the questions through the looking glass of the Galton Collection online catalogue. One of the most controversial collections at UCL is, of course, the Galton Collection. And Francis Galton with his notorious interest in improving humans by selective breeding or eugenics, the term he coined is a problematic figure, and preserving a collection of artefacts associated with him for posterity and within the context of the modern university is troubling. Every element of the way in which he and his collection are presented requires careful consideration. And this article goes on about what they're really up to and creating order. That was the guys they went under. they an order of society run by professionals. By understanding how we tick, psychology, human dynamics And again, very important, as part of it too in the early days Introduction of mandatory compulsive schooling for children Because that's where indoctrination starts And other philosophers like Jack C. Lull said the same thing that If you don't get that early indoctrination when you're very impressionable and you're you're not wise in the worlds or the the wise in the I call it the chronology because we run everything's run by conning us all, chronology. If you don't get that early indoctrination and you grow up a little bit, you get it when you're older. When you're older you'll question what you've been taught. You can part it off, but you might not believe it. So the early indoctrination for the impressionable children is important or the later indoctrination through college etc will not take because you're thinking for yourself. Very important. There's nothing they don't know about the techniques and how, how they work. It's astonishing. It got me to me. HG Wells remember as a member of the Eugenics Society He knew all these different people. As I say, anybody who was anybody, all the socialists were, all the Fabian Society members too, for the supposed workers, etc., were eugenicists, if you didn't know that. Bernard Shaw was quite blatant about it. H.G. Wells, and all the rest of them. Even, I think, Besant was a, a member of it too, old Danny. But then her daddy was a lord as well. So they ran the right wing and they ran the left wing The whole idea was to give you parties And the parties would, would sell the right things for the followers And you'd vote And that way you wouldn't have revolutions Because you always vote the other ones out Then you get sick of the next bunch after four or five years And you vote them out And then the other ones are back again, you see So that's the con of it all And in reality, as I said tonight The real rulers are professionally Trained, and they have levels and levels and levels of them, multi-specialists or specialist areas, I should say, of ruling us all. That's how it was done, and Julian Huxley was part of it too. That's how the world is run. So you can vote all you want; it isn't going to change. People can't really figure it out, even today. When things are weird, they can't figure it out. So I was looking at one of, I think it was Peter Hitchens' blog. In the paper And he was talking about the white helmets being brought in Under agreement International agreement France and Canada and Britain Going to accept them And he said these people were radicalised Members of the Al-Qaeda So you can't figure out Why are you bringing them in? That's what he, what he was saying Why are they bringing them in? What's ruling us has a different agenda And the future is to be like this dystopian movies that started churning out in at least the, the late 80s early, and all through the 90s, where you saw rubble everywhere, a lot of poverty. They call it austerity. That's where they want to take you. That's the term they use. It doesn't sound as bad as poverty. And the United Nations said that we must be opposed to a consumerist society. So you'd be into this system of poverty with, with all kinds of groups, supposedly radicalized groups, fighting each other at the very bottom, and the mandatory black gund clad military guys ru- going through the rubble to shoot everybody else that is out of line. That's, that's what they see. It, it's amazing how many futurists work writing these, these stories that are put movies. And the futurists, some of the top ones, all work with these big foundations that bring in the future. And getting back to the members of the eugenics Society uh, and I'll put up their modern name now because they change it, but it's still you know they're still looking for the Galton Institute they're still looking for helping people through gene tampering, you no know, for medical reasons and so on to make it, make you feel better, help the children, you know all that stuff the same It's the same organization with the same goals and it simply changed its name that's all. And the people don't know, but anyway, HG. Wells talked about it quite openly and blatantly too. and Wells also said they would push free love in the late 1800s. he was a part of a group promoting that because they said they'd have to destroy the family unit, stop male and female bonding, because if they bonded, they could have children and actually be successful in raising them like keeping them alive, eh And they belonged to the Fabian Society the Fabian Society was set up as a front to fool the working people. We're here to help you. Poor workers, eh? Quite some. And of course the Webbs were also members of the of the eugenics society too. For the betterment through through selective breeding and negative eugenics and positive eugenics. Positive eugenics was to was to encourage the breeding of children of the superior ones. A negative eugenics was to abort and sterilize the children of the feeble-minded, or those who are just below par, as they say. And don't forget, for those who think they're above par, Julian Huxley said the same thing. Many will help us come to power, he said, and expect the benefits, but they too will be included in those who will be discarded. That was the the terminology he used. They've got prizes given out, too at the Galton Institute, for instance. You saw the smiling faces of young students in their white coats and all that, who are looking down microscopes, and they're, they're going to be responsible for bettering the people by altering genes here and there, all for your own good. Quite, quite good, isn't it? Does, doesn't it sound exciting and proactive and optimistic, etc., etc.? Hmm? Hey, that wonderful? and they in the institute, and they tell you what they're there for, they're in their own words, of course. Sounds wonderful, really. Nice pictures of uh? happy people. is it's a learned society concerned with the scientific study of all aspects of human hereditary. These include molecular genetics, genetic medicine, genetic epidemiology, population genetics, and population dynamics, demographics, human evolution, Elements of psychology and the statistical analysis of inherited traits. It's the same old institution of the eugenic society. So it is. And don't forget that all doctors today are pretty complicit in a lot of it because their training leads them along a path. Remember, by the way you train someone and teach them with professional advice, and and experts. You can bring anyone to to the conclusion that you want on everything. And medicine for years has been training people who study it that the only way to ultimately end all these diseases and so on, apart from elimination of causative factors from outside sources, is the inside sources, the genes themselves, defective genes, like the movie Gattaca. You see, epigenetics, etc., and tampering with uh, and replacing genes with you know superior ones for those that are a bit retarded, as they say. Mm-hmm. Nothing changes, you know. Nothing changes, and for the elite themselves, they have no problem with the elite of other countries. All this stuff about purely racial aspects—you should start to wonder about it can't just blame this group or that group or whatever. Some groups certainly do. Very few think they're superior and are, are, are rather blatant about it too. But in reality, if you look at the other eugenicists as well, like Arthur C. Clarke, the science fiction writer, who's long dead now, 2001 and 2010, in you know, space of LDC, etc. But he also did 3001 as well, for those who don't know. Where he was into this kind of fantasy world of the, the ones, the superior gene types, who outlived everybody else for reasons that he doesn't actually go into so much. But they were, they were the ones who are, are the mixers. They're all mixed races of superior, the, the elite groups. He says the features in all the people... Had traits of different races, but they had been the, the interbreeding of the elite groups, of elite people in all races. He doesn't mention, in other words, that the ones who were inferior just simply died off or something. Very much like H.G. Wells, A Modern Utopia, a bit more blatant in a sense. And that's what he had in 3001. Don't start fighting other peoples Because this is very cleverly done you know. We're ruled by emotions And we're given the camps to jump into And if you really look at the media today And don't understand the whys You will jump into them They're meant to get you into them Like I say, Peter Hitchens can't fathom What they're up to here It's a bigger agenda It's all plans to say uh, Started this talk, planned long before with, with, with the gaming industry of warfare. Of If we ever had to, blah, 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 go into these countries for the oil and the and resources, what would the blowback be? Can we use a blowback for our bigger agenda, the destruction of nations, to get a world government, etc., etc.? And how do we rule people as we're going through destruction of nations? Well, you set different ethnic groups against each other as you're doing it internally. Then you've got the reason to control the populations under the guise of terrorism. Done long, long before Gulf War 1. That's how well everything is planned. Right down to the massive weather control. And all the weather warfare projects openly declassified today, some of them. And the ongoing ones from big participants in Harvard and elsewhere. Nothing secretive about it. It's just they don't keep talking about it. It's been spraying the sky steadily from since 1998. And with all the forest fires on the go, everywhere. Still here in Canada Got it in Greece of course But that was man-made too And again you have about some terrorist aspects In some countries too They're questioning as well With the fires Because some were advocating it But here they're, they're spraying the skies at the same time And some of the sprays cause incredible heat By trapping the heat in Reflecting the heat back down And you wonder why people are confused today well, that's all there's time for for today. So, I hope you're all surviving and keeping away from these fires. And it's not good to be around the smoky areas, like even here. But that's the way it is at the moment. For myself, Alan Watchman here, Canada. It's good night's. May your God or your gods go with you.